Section 4 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Before the Mast, Part 2. The lad served out his time as apprentice first on the Free Love of 450 tons, employed in the coal trade, and afterwards in the Three Brothers, a fine new ship of 600 tons, on the rigging and fitting of which he worked while ashore. This vessel was employed for a time as a transport ship. In 1749 she was paid off at Deptford and then employed in the Norway trade. While an apprentice, he lodged at his master's house while on shore, and the tradition still survives of his sober and studious conduct during those times. In the year 1750 he was on board the Maria, belonging to Mr. John Wilkinson of Whitby, employed in the Baltic trade, under the command of Captain Gaskin in seventeen fifty one he served on board a stockton ship in seventeen fifty two he was appointed by mr walker mate of the friendship of four hundred tons he was also in the coal trade observe that for three years when this period of his life came to a close cook had been mate that is second officer on board a collier and that before that time he had been an able seaman in the same trade a rude training but the most effective possible it taught him seamanship thoroughly it taught him to understand the common sailor and to feel for him but it was not one imagines a perfect school of manners as regards the life led on board the merchant ship it seems to have been much the same as that in the royal navy the men were perhaps knocked about more and flogged less there was little discipline but much swearing cuffing and in case of mutiny the officers had to be ready to fell the mutineers with the first weapon that came handy a marlin spike a cutlass or anything as for the rations in general living i suppose they were much the same on a merchantman as on a king's ship and we shall presently see how the men lived in the royal navy in the middle of the eighteenth century as for the things the boy would learn they would all be summed up under the head of practical seamanship he would learn first all the parts of a ship and her rigging the sails the running and the standing gear and how to use them he would learn how to sail a ship how to steer her how to save her in time of storm and danger in the thirteen years that he worked for the quaker brothers there was plenty of time to acquire a thorough knowledge of seamanship this period indeed proved the foundation of the lad's fortune he became a sailor but for book learning i cannot understand how he could acquire any the captain and the mate would have one or two of the handbooks used by all sailors readers of this series have heard from mr clark russell in his life of dampier of a sailor's wagoner there was also the sailor's vade mecum containing all kinds of practical rules and information apart from such books i think there could have been nothing to help the boy he preserved however the thirst for reading first implanted in him by mistress walker at martin a boy with an active and curious mind never loses that thirst it is also reasonable to suppose since he was promoted and became mate of his vessel that his conduct and ability proved satisfactory to his employers he would probably have received the command of a ship but for the accident which changed the whole current of his life and enabled him to achieve the glory that belongs to the great navigators of the world early in the year seventeen fifty five 
though the country was then nominally at peace with france it was felt necessary for the protection of the colonies to send a fleet to the american station with orders to attack any french squadron which might be found in those waters where it was assumed that they could be sailing with none other than hostile intentions these instructions were given openly and were communicated to the french court by the ambassador the king replied that the firing of the first shot would be regarded as a declaration of war that shot was fired on the sixth of june but war was not formally declared before may seventeenth in the following year this was the last struggle by which great britain at the expense of millions of money and lives sacrificed by thousands succeeded in freeing her colonies from the european powers at the close of the war in seventeen sixty two the whole of canada the islands of st john and cape breton louisiana east of the mississippi the free navigation of that river and the province of florida had been acquired for great britain france retained nothing except the two islets of st pierre and miquelon which she still keeps unhappily the peace also allowed her the right of fishing on the banks of newfoundland which was withdrawn from spain this peace was signed in seventeen sixty three only twelve years later our grateful colonists took advantage of the expulsion of french and spaniards to throw off their allegiance to the british crown without accepting any part of the burdens laid upon the mother country in her long struggle for their protection the imminent war caused a press both hot and heavy in every part of the united kingdom nowhere was it so hot as in the port of london with its thousand ships and its tens of thousands of sailors at this moment cook's vessel the friendship of whitby was lying in the river although he was now a mate on board he was by no means free of the press-gang or would his position on board a collier help him to any raiding on board a man-of-war above that of able seamen there was a way however better than that of being pressed it was to enter as a volunteer it must be remembered that the service was not then governed by the same rigid rules as now prevail a man might and sometimes did obtain a commission in the navy without going through the preliminary and lower ranks the branch in which a man with a practical knowledge of seamanship might reasonably hope to rise was that of master's mate first and master afterwards also it was not the branch in which he would have to encounter aristocratic influence and favoritism young gentlemen who entered the navy had no desire to become masters those who went into this line were practical sailors men as tough and often as rough as the common seamen who lived when they were at home at wapping poplar shadwell and stepping if they belonged to the port of london or at point gosbert and certain streets outside the dockyard walls at portsmouth if they belonged to that town cook at that time twenty-seven years of age resolved that he would not be a pressed man he would enter as a volunteer accordingly he repaired to a rendezvous at wapping where he entered as an able seaman on board the eagle sixty guns captain john hamer this was in may seventeen fifty five in october of the same year captain afterwards sir hugh palliser was appointed captain End of section four